Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. We are your hosts. I'm Megan. And I'm Joe. And just to give you a little bit of background on our podcast, in case you're tuning in for the first time, um, I absolutely love the show. It's my favorite show probably of all time and so because of my passion for it every week I make my husband Joe tune in and watch it so he has seen I think every single episode and I thought it would be a lot of fun if we did a podcast on it and everyone could hear what um a male viewer's take on the show is. And the deal that I made was, I said, if I'm going to do a podcast on Outlander, you have to let me say anything I want about it. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's not terribly complimentary. But sometimes it is, because you do have appreciation for high production value, for the costume design, for the acting in a lot of cases, for the character development, for the storyline. You have a lot of respect for Ronald D. Moore as a showrunner. I call it as I see it. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, you'll hear about it. Right. So we're here today to talk about episode 305, Freedom and Whiskey. But before we jump into it, Joe, if people wanted to contact us, how would they do it? Well, if by chance you actually do want to contact us and say something nice to Megan or bad to me, you can reach out to us at loinlander at gmail.com or find us on the Twitter at loinlander. <laughs> we look forward to it. So this episode was written by Tony Graffia, one of our favorites. And before we get into the beat by beat, we um, will do our favorite lines of the episode. So my favorite line of the entire episode, and it was hard for me to narrow it down because I loved this episode, was when Roger says, I'm living in Edinburgh in 1765, according to the parallel timeline on our calendar. That's only a year ago. And I love it because, I mean, I just love Richard Rankin and almost every line he delivers. But to me, it also just kind of generated the excitement. Um, they've actually found Jamie. It propels the story forward. And I, I thought it was so well delivered and flawlessly acted as per usual. And as a viewer waiting for the moment when they finally find James Frazier, it, it was a very exciting moment. What was your favorite line of the episode? My favorite line of the episode was when Dr. Joe Abernathy said, You're a skinny white bra with too much hair but a great ass. And basically I like this line because it shows the comfort level between Claire and Joe. And this is something I've spoken about in recent weeks about how I don't think they fleshed it out enough. And this episode did a really great job of it. And this is just a conversation that really can only be had between two really close longtime friends. And I just, I just think it's great. Yeah. I liked it too. That was a great line. Plus it's really well delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we start with the title shot and it is of Claire and we know it's of Claire because we see her hand and it's Jamie's wedding ring. And she is working on Brianna's first Christmas ornament from 1948. It says Brianna's first Christmas. And your reaction was that you felt it was kind of strange that they were showing something from 1948. Yeah, I wasn't sure if we were going to be jumping back in time again right. or, or Which what. Which would have been great because we would have had would've a little been... bit of Tobias Menzies. More Frank. More Frank. <laughs> but anyway. But anyways, I think they were just kind of setting the, the tone for Christmas. Um, and then we're in Boston in 1968. Claire is in surgery with Joe Abernathy and she's great at it. She's all instincts and risks. Yeah, no, it's, uh, she, she, she's at the table and she's performing surgery and she's just, uh, everyone is telling her to, to 
speed up. You know, we, we've got we to we've got to cut this. Time. Yeah, and Joe Joe Abernathy's worried, but Claire has this cavalier attitude. You know, I can do it, and I'm right. It's the Claire confidence Shocker. that we that yeah. we love. Right, and Joe's like, no, you you should. This is a bad idea. And Claire's just like, I I need two minutes. And Joe's like, you don't have two minutes. And she's like, then one minute, and and one it's second. it's very yeah. uh, sorry, one second. Yeah. yeah, very tense. And then but then she pulls it off, and uh, Joe Abernathy gives her this. Look of kind of you did it and and respect admiration. Yeah, he has admiration, admiration for yeah. her. So then the next shot we are at Harvard with Brianna and we and we learn that through a professor who claims that he used to be close with Frank, we learn that she is failing and she doesn't seem to care. So it shows that basically since she's learned of her history, you know, Frank wasn't her real father. Her mom went back in time. Like she is, she's flailing as a person. She's yeah. failing and flailing right yeah, now. Both. She has turned her life on its ear, and she doesn't really know. She's pretty much your typical lost, whatever. She's supposed to be old. twenty year yeah. old, and yeah. And this is kind of the the effect that it would probably have on almost any twenty year old. It but. really would. And then we see her go home to to their house in Boston, mm-hmm. and it's the first time we've been on the set without Tobias Menzies. And I felt it. Like, I missed him. As soon as she walks into that set, we haven't seen, we haven't ever seen that Boston set without him in it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so does Brianna. Yeah, she, you, and, but like, as a viewer, you immediately feel his absence. And um, then they show his chair, and Bear McCleary, McCleary um, puts in Frank's theme. So I started, I started crying. Then Brianna smells his pipe, and yeah, then she goes, it was sad. Yeah. And then she goes and she opens, his box of pictures. I actually feel like I'm getting welled up thinking about it. And um, he's got all these pictures of baby Brianna, but then he also has a picture of him and Claire that he kept, which I think speaks volumes about Frank because, I mean, in that picture... Mm-hmm. Um, Claire with their diploma. Yeah, I mean, they weren't doing well, but he still kept that picture because right. it meant something to him. Um, and then they just kind of do this close-up of Frank kissing baby Brianna's head. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a sweet, it's such a sweet shot. Yeah. And you see Brianna looking at it, knowing for the first time that he knows she's not his. Yeah, yeah. And it, it she, uh, but it still, it kicks you right in the feels. It really does. Yeah. And, uh, it was a really, like, yeah. I, I'm getting welled up thinking it about it. It was a beautiful scene. And from a production standpoint, I just want to throw, this is something I noticed. One thing I really appreciate about this is that you watch a lot of, uh, you know, when you watch a lot of TV shows and a lot of movies and they show you pictures, one thing I, that always bugs me is that they just pull still frames from old episodes and make them look like pictures. But in this, if you go through, there's a bunch of photos that, you can tell they're actually photos. They actually went out and staged the photos and made prints out of them, which I really, which I, I feel like other shows and movies and stuff, I feel like it's just lazy. Yeah. When you try and fake old still, especially it's really noticeable in movies because you just saw this still frame, you know, 45 minutes ago or something. Yeah. Like that. So it seems very obvious now that it's hanging on the wall. But I, I really just... Uh, it's a nice touch. It's a nice touch. that they, they, you know, they took the time to go out and actually, you know, mock up some of these photos. Yeah. Um, there's a, a couple of Brianna in there for sure that, that were, uh, you know, didn't look like still frames. Yeah. They, they were real photos. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that, that's good. It's oh. great attention to detail this mm-hmm. show. Um, so then we have Claire and Joe Abernathy in their office and she's discussing her past with him while drinking whiskey. These two drink, Claire drinks an awful lot for someone who's a important surgeon particularly in this episode but anyways they are kind of had a madman kind of vibe to it, it it did a little bit so he pours her whiskey and they talk and she says you know I, I i was in love with someone but fate separated us and decided other things for us and joe abernathy says fuck fate 
And who doesn't love Joe Abernathy after no. he says that? Again, it's it's kind of he's he's kind of like channeling a little Murtaugh in here in yeah. this episode. He's very, you know, he doesn't doesn't mince words. Yep. You know, he gets right to it. And and again, I I love so much that there was a lot of um, a lot of their relationship in this. It was I didn't I didn't really like this episode at all. But really, um, everything everything I, between Claire and Joe was super strong. Right. Um, not much else. But yeah. It, well except for the photos good work good work guys (laughs) so then we have roger arriving in boston and as soon as i saw him on screen i was like yes it's roger and he arrives and he knocks on the door but he can hear uh brianna and claire yelling at each other Mm -hmm. so brianna opens the door and is surprised to see him she says what which brianna nobody answers the door like that and uh he smiles and says happy christmas um, and then he comes in and we've learned that she's decided to quit Harvard. So Claire is very upset. Um, and she says she can't go back to acting like nothing's changed. It's basically reinforcing that Brianna's messed up from learning, you know, that everything that she's learned, Frank's not her dad. Right, her right. actual father lives in 1765. He was supposed to be dead, but he's not, except he is because it was 200 years ago. She's messed up. So she leaves, which is kind of a dick move to Roger, Huge right? Dick like move. he's yeah. in love with her he's and just, has just yeah. flown from yeah. Scotland to Boston to see her and she's like, Let's hang out tomorrow. Right. And we're talking about a guy who's like this kind of shy, he's mumbly shy. British historian. Like yeah. imagine the balls it took for, for Roger to get on a plane and fly yeah. across the country and show up unannounced to yeah. the door of the love of his life. Like this is a huge move yeah. for and Roger. She storms away. She blows him off. She does. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And that was that's just a dick move it, it is a little yeah, bit for yeah. sure and and you know roger i think kind of he's a little he felt it but yeah. then claire insists that he's nonsense of course right, you'll stay right. here claire claire steps up um so claire and roger then have uh dinner and they bond over christmas memories and claire tells roger that they used to always read a christmas carol to brianna every year until she grew out of it and then she says or maybe frank and i grew out of it right and then read we don't want to spend time with each other anymore yeah. <laughs> right and then uh they go into the living room and Roger pours Claire a whiskey. Not surprising. Claire wants it. And tells her, dun dun dun, 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 dun. that he's found James Frazier. He's very excited about it. He, I mean, again, favorite line of the episode. He just delivers it so well. He's kind so of, excited. Kind of surprised that he would have waited, like, obviously what looks to be hours before he would pull this this out of his a little little duffel bag. But yeah. whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Also, before you get into this, because mm-hmm. it's important, I just want to stop and say... There, I feel like I, I've only watched the episode once, but I want to go back and uh, check it out because I feel like in every scene that has Roger in it, it's mm-hmm. so like if it goes, if the scene goes long enough, eventually he offers someone whiskey. Yep, he it's does. Like he just, he is, you talk about Claire liking to drink, like Roger's just like, hey, it's been five minutes, can I pour you a drink? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a wee nip, let's yeah, have some whiskey. Yeah, yeah, can you have a, would you like a, like a wee nip? Yeah. yeah, no, he's, Roger likes his, his, his whiskey for he sure. Does. So. So yeah, so I thought that was funny. It was, he he pulled out the pulled the cork out of that bottle a number of times. He episode. sure did. Anyway, he definitely did. The more important info, though. So then um, Claire, which we didn't even talk about her outfit. She's channeling Audrey Hepburn with that tight blue turtleneck and those khaki yeah. capri pants. Like I thought she looked fantastic. But she stands up with this information, and rather than saying thank you so much and you know providing him with the accolades he wants she tells him that she closed the door in the past and she has responsibilities to brianna and how could he tell her this and I, she didn't ask for this and 
really just shits all over him. Let's just call it what it is. She shits all over him. Basically, the Fraser ladies just he comes all yeah. the way over from London or London, yeah, Scotland. Yeah, lands. He's like, I want a American Christmas, and then the Fraser ladies just shit all over him. I felt terrible. For so him. he goes up to bed. But I will just say because um, one of the things that I loved so much about this scene when we first discover that Jamie is alive in 1765 is very much like the book, where in the book you do follow his life, so you know everything that was going on with him until around 1762. But three years have passed, right? So we saw him after he'd left Hellwater. But then we, we're kind of like as lost about his life as Claire and Roger and Brianna. So then when we discover he's in Edinburgh, it's exciting to know where he is, but we don't really know what's happened to him, right? right. I mean, and again, this is where book, book v. show, it's sort of like there is none of that for me because I haven't known where Jamie has been for all of about... 12 minutes of showtime because at but the end... But you know he's not in Hellwater anymore. I didn't because at the end of the episode... Well, he leaves, but yeah. we know that he's he's somewhere and then there's there's no big mystery to it. It's not like, oh, where is he? It's like th- three scenes into the next episode we find out where he is. So, right. So there, I mean, I, I realize in a book you've got more time to drag that out and play it out, but in the show... Again, it was just like, oh, I can't found him. Like that's. Uh... <laughs> well, they only have 60, 60 minutes per episode, right. so they can't like drag it on for months to or even a to episode. hold your even even one episode really. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay, so then Claire um, and Joe Abernathy. The next scene is they are going through bones and talking about a murdered white woman in her forties, right. and you immediately it's obviously Gaius. Come you're on, like, it's Gaius Duncan. It's obviously Gaius Duncan. I don't. Um, I mean, I don't know if it is, but come on, it's obviously Gaius Duncan. I thought that was a interesting prediction and a, yeah. and a quick one on your yeah. part megan looked at me and said why would you why did you say that why did you um why did you because i don't know it's just you felt like it was obvious but i guess we'll see so then they then they start talking she because joe says tell me about your scottish love so she says well he's brianna's real father and joe encourages her to pursue it yeah still doesn't tell joe what you know oh by the way i also went back in time yeah 200 years you know yeah. but you know tells him enough for him to understand why everything's so weird. Yeah. And then we have Brianna coming home to find Roger watching TV. She apologizes for the day before. She gives him a pop and she invites him to join her to a tribute for Frank. And I think, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, she's likable, sweet, and redeeming in this scene. Yeah. Uh, you were pretty, pretty... I was a little bit disappointed with her in the yeah. last episode. But this episode... I was much, much, much more comfortable with her to the extent that there was a couple scenes where I thought if she auditioned with this scene, I can see why they chose her because yeah. she really was pulling it off. She upped her game in this episode. She did. Yeah. She did. And any scene with Roger, because Richard Rankin plays that he's in love with her so well that you just want them to be together. You want them to he's work. He's just a sad British puppy dog. You just he's, want him. I mean, he's like great. Yeah. He's great. So I thought that she was really good in that. And then they go to the hallowed halls and you, Brianna and Roger are walking around talking about history and you described Brianna as just wearing a walking kilt. Yeah, it was just a big ass <laughs> kilt. She was just like kilt from, from neck to neck to ankles yeah it was kind of an interesting outfit i don't know if that was maybe of the of the time the style or she's just really trying super hard to, to be like channel hey, her guess who my dad is yeah. anyway it was kind of a cool outfit but it just looked like a big ass tartan yeah oh she had great tights on too they were oh yeah kind of like she had those kind of yeah white, like they, kind of pseudo, they look cute they yeah. look really cute then they have we have the frank tribute and there's a picture of tobias menzies mm. and uh claire meets 
Sandy. Sandy. Or, well, she calls her Candy, but Claire meets Sandy. Great scene. Yeah, you said this was your one of your favorite scenes of the whole show at the time. You said yeah. it was because Sandy <laughs> says to Claire, you should have let him go. And Claire turns around and says... I beg your pardon, but the way Katrina Balf delivers that line, like, I got chills. I was like, Sandy, you're dead. Right. Like, you think how Sandy's dead. dare you, Sandy? But, but then Sandy proceeds to go up one side, Claire, and down the other. Ah, she calls and, her selfish. Yeah. She says, you wasted 20 years with him. Oh. I would give anything to have just one day. And the actress that plays Candy, she's or great. Sandy, is yeah. like, you can, she's, no. she feels it. Like, yeah, she, she did. That was, she that says was her... he was the love of my life. That was her moment in the sun, and she shone. Yeah, she ripped into Claire hard. And Claire actually didn't really have a lot to she say. Yeah, that's that was my. That's why it was my favorite scene. It was basically just like Claire was like, I did. Yeah, like I did do that. It's basically just me yelling at the screen through this blonde girl. Yeah, and, and Claire had no because it's all true. She's just a selfish. She was in that relationship she, yeah, she, a little she bit. Just, she's just it was all Claire all the time, and yeah, and uh, it just sort of you know it was kind of those things where. You know, because she is super selfish and only sees things through the eyes of Claire, yeah. uh, she didn't realize it. But now, you know, when you've got someone sort of outside of your world calling you out on it, and she yeah. really didn't have any, any, re- you know, any any retort other than it's like, well, she had nothing to say. That's no, it. she had yeah. nothing to say. She yeah. just had to turn Zero. her beautiful eye makeup and bouffant right. hair and walk away. Exactly. And you say that Claire only sees things through the eyes of Claire, but she also sees things through the eyes of Jamie. And that's how you know they're soulmates, is that she actually empathizes, sympathizes, worries about Jamie. And he's yeah. kind of the only one. Really, So yeah. that's why they are true soulmates, because but I don't know, she doesn't even, give an SHIT really about anyone else. Even I mean, she does give an SHIT about Jamie, but at the same time, she's selfishly boned them over a number of times too like Who's them jamie jamie and claire and jamie yeah uh, like she's by not listening she to did his... so many dumbass things so, in I mean, paris sometimes. like no she almost got them killed by the dick on the dock the dick dock the dock <laughs> dick you know what i mean i, I know what you like, mean let's not talk about anyway, season two let's bad. not talk about season two so claire and brianna go for a walk and uh you know there's she's reassuring brianna that frank didn't resent her even though she looks exactly like jamie um, I call BS on that, but whatever. What's she gonna say? I don't think he did. You think that he? I no, think no, no, not the wife. No, not not uh, not Frank. I mean, when when she said, when Claire said she didn't resent Brianna, but whatever, that's fine. Well, she said I didn't resent you. I was upset. I had to leave Jamie. Like she's pretty honest in it. Right. Yeah. That's but true. she said I love I loved you lots. Um. Sophie Skelton, I just want to say, did an amazing job in this scene. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. And um, then Claire shows Brianna what Roger has discovered. She pulls out the yeah the little leaflet, and you said, "I ripped Roger a new asshole when he showed me this, but I did keep it with me." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That was it. It was kind of like, "I hate you, I hate you, I hate you." And I, then I, I want that document. Right, though. but can I just have? I'm going to sleep of that, with it at please. night. Yeah, and... Exactly. Yeah, and Brianna says, you can go back now. I don't need you the way I used to. So this is the first kind of push towards Claire getting closer to Jamie because the thing that's holding her back, and she's made it very clear, is that you know she's a mother to Brianna and she could never leave her, but Brianna starts pushing her. So you, you know, as a viewer, you now know where Jamie is, you know Claire can get to, them, to him, and Brianna is giving her permission. So it was kind of an exciting shift. And then we have Claire and Joe Abernathy and, a, and the rest of the staff watch a man land on the moon. And you said, interesting parallel. Mm-hmm, it is an interesting parallel. And uh, she... Was Claire, that in the book? 
I don't remember. I don't think it was. And Claire goes over to the window and she looks out at the moon and we hear the time traveling theme song. So she's looking up at the moon. Mm-hmm. It's a good, and you can tell she's like she's thinking she's about she's, she's thinking about show. Fraser. Right, just abandon her life and do, she is. do Claire. Yeah. And then the next scene, Claire and Brianna are having a serious conversation about Claire leaving. They're on the the on the couch, and there is a couple of tough lines that Sophie Skelton delivers very well. Like they're yeah. almost cheesy lines. And there, she, there was some cornball in there for sure. And she pulls it off. I wasn't yeah. uncomfortable watching her. In fact, that was the scene. Where I said to myself, if this is the scene that she, if these are the lines that she had to read mm-hmm. for her audition, I can see why they chose her. Because as you know, in the last episode, there was a couple lines where I was wincing and thinking, what were they thinking? Right. Um, and then Claire tells Brianna that she's worried that Jamie won't love her anymore. And so we have, for the first time ever, self-doubting Claire. Yeah, not yeah. the first time this episode, but the first time, first time that I've ever seen Claire. She does not doubt her doubting any, the any part of herself. Power of Claire. Yeah. yeah, like her attraction level, her her abilities, her, her skills, co- her, her correctness. Her... In oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But she she says I'm a little bit worried, which I thought yeah. was interesting. And then she goes into her office with Joe Abernathy in the next scene and asks if she's attractive. Yes, we covered this is my favorite line of the episode. Again, it's Claire's self-doubt that she's going to not be attractive to Jamie anymore which is of course by the way is utterly ridiculous because she doesn't look anything different oh, than got, this is she's got she white. has that she's got that one wisp of salt in her pepper mm-hmm. and other than that she looks exactly the same as she has for the past you know however many seasons and so again this is my complaint that they you know we're supposed to believe that there's this passage of time but they they don't look any different whatsoever. She looks exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. And Joe Abernathy basically tells her, you don't look a lot different than when I met you yeah. 20 years ago, so all good. And then they say goodbye, but he doesn't know it's goodbye. He just says Merry Christmas and grabs his jacket and his hat, and she turns and says Merry Christmas. And right. The line was delivered perfectly because for yeah. whatever reason, I've watched the episode three times, and every time Katrina Balfe turns and says... Merry Christmas, yeah. I start to cry. And all she's saying is, Merry Christmas. But Merry there's Christmas. just so much meaning there. Yeah, it's this still like, her hey, best friend. I know we have a really tight bond and a fantastic friendship, but because I'm incredibly selfish, I'm just going to drop you like a bad habit and walk away for the rest of your life. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> I don't think she's thinking that exactly. No, that's not what she's thinking, but that's what, she's, right. that's what she did. So she's right. like, rather than have to put myself through a sad moment... I'm just going to leave. She's protecting him. And let you have a sad Merry one Christmas. Tomorrow. She's Merry, protecting Merry him Christmas. from the confusion of yeah. time travel. That story right. is confusing. Mm-hmm. She's protecting him. Right. Protecting him. Exactly. So the next scene, we have Claire, Roger, and Brianna sitting around the Christmas tree exchanging gifts. And Claire explains she's going to make her own outfit for when she goes back into the past, which is different than the book. In the book, she goes to a costume clothing store, and she's all annoyed because they keep offering her costumes with zippers. And she's yeah. like, no, no, I can't have a zipper. That won't work. But eventually she just has to. And it was actually something I thought was kind of it was kind of a nice touch because in the end, she had to get a dress with a zipper because right. that's all the costume store would allow her. But anyways, I also really enjoyed this where we have the montage of her making a dress to the Batman theme. What did you think of this scene? Yeah, I mean, it was silly. But it was... Fun. Uh, I mean, it was yeah, it fun. was fun. And it was... It was 
mean, it was really out of context for this show because this show is a lot of things, but it is never silly or fun. Yeah, it was a little bit, it, it was, was kind of playful. And yeah, Outlander isn't often not, that playful. I can't remember because one it, time where it's I mean, it has, it has such serious topics. So how can it be playful when it's talking about <laughs> time travel serious and falling topics. in love with someone from 200 years ago is serious. I know. I know. So serious. It just, is. It's all blackmail sex. And yeah, it's just... Okay, so next shaking. scene. Anyway, but, but have... no, no, just no, okay. I want to talk about it. Like okay. it was it was interesting because it was, to me, it seemed like obvious that this was some kind of inside joke, uh, you know, with the production team. Yeah. And I think you read that maybe it was. Yeah. And uh, it, it was, I didn't disapprove of it, but it was definitely, it definitely stuck out like a weird sore thumb. Um, In a super fun way. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So then the next scene we have Claire looking at herself in the mirror and she's um, playing with the gray hair, right? She's touching that mm-hmm. gray hair. You can tell that she's self-conscious. And then the next morning when she's packing her things up, she... Uh, she has dyed it. She says, well, I just touched up the gray. And she actually looks embarrassed when she tells Roger and Brianna. And it's charming. She's going back to the only person that she actually wants to impress. Mm-hmm. Claire Fraser, Claire Randall... Does not need to impress a lot of people, but she was so self-conscious because she's going to meet the one person that she wants to impress. Yes, that's right. Um, Which I thought was really sweet. Yeah, and she shows off her new bat suit as well. Yeah, and, and the secret um, right. compartments in it where she's putting penicillin, which if you're yeah. going back in time, that's a smart thing to take. No, that's really smart. That's one of those things where I, you know, I was really hoping that... it would it would be this way where she would at least take something back to, you know, because... I mean, it's tough. Why back not? Then. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's bad news. So I, I, I wasn't sure how that was going to play out, but they did. And Roger also gave her a, a gift, which was a book of the uh, the history of Scotland, yeah. which I thought was brilliant. Because uh, no, I mean, how handy would that be? It would be trying, like very, she said. I would have very you know, handy. Where was this a couple years ago? Because that would have been really convenient. Yeah. Um, so so I think that's uh, and I assume that's all in the book as well. I don't remember. No, it's kind of like a yeah. It's 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 an interesting. Well, as we know, because we've heard where the cast and crew ends up shooting the second half of season three. That book's not terribly useful for very long, probably. Exactly. And right. I know there is a line about how Claire gets frustrated because she'd done, before she went back, she did so much research on, um, you know, Europe and UK and Scottish history in general because she wanted to be very, very prepared. Bye-bye. And then... Bye-bye. Yeah. And then none of it was relevant. But that's just kind of how life works, I right. think. A metaphor for the show. Anyway, um, <laughs> so carrying on. Brianna and Claire say goodbye, and Claire explains that she wants to go through the stones alone because she wants it to be peaceful. Roger goes and grabs some whiskey, and the three of them make a toast to freedom and whiskey, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cute. Claire leaves in the night, and she turns around, and Brianna and Roger are standing at the window. And it's sad. It's sad. She's leaving. Not as sad as last episode's leaving. What? Oh, when, when Jamie was leaving that his was, son? That was, that was tough, yeah. This wasn't sad. I, I thought, I don't know, I thought all the stuff between Claire and Brianna was... Too much? No, I didn't buy it. It was just... Really? No, it was... I, I thought it was... Was it because of Sophie Skelton? You know what? It was nothing to do with Sophie Skelton. She was fine. I just thought it was unrealistic that her daughter would just be like, I don't need you in my life forever the rest of my life. Go ahead. She I wants think, her to go back to be with her true love I don't and buy her it. father. I don't buy it. Also, you know, she, Claire goes back and I, I said, you know, why isn't Brianna 
sending any sort of letter back? Yeah, that or is any... actually a good point. And you did ask that. You said, wouldn't Brianna want to send Jamie yeah. a letter? It's like, it's it's sort of like the show itself has become Claire. And just like <laughs> this like selfish, all Claire show. It's like... It, well, she's, it basi- the, she's the star of the show. I guess. Mm-hmm. Basically, the show itself disregarded Brianna much like... Claire disregards everything else. Like it, I, it, it did it, seem. I, I think there will be a couple things that uh, you'll see it, in the next episode. I found it distractingly unrealistic that she wouldn't write her well, father just, just a letter. The, everything with the Brianna's encouragement of of going back in time and Claire Never being like, "Oh, again. I couldn't possibly, but I did make this dress, so I got to go now." <laughs> you know, like it's. Uh, it just. I don't know. I kind of. I thought it was lame. Anyway, lame. Next. Um, so Sophie Skelton is amazing in this shot. She smiles and kind of nods to guide Claire along. And Claire walks away. And um, it's a great scene. And then we see, we watch Claire drive away from that street in Boston that she's lived in for 20 years. And it's, you know, it's, it's a big moment. She's getting her freedom as she gets in that cab and drives mm. away from that street that we've been watching. Right. and seeing her live in and it's been a sort of prison for her in many ways over the years and she's moving on to greener pastures. Sophie Skelton is great because she says goodbye to Claire. She turns around, she goes into the um, kitchen and she puts on the Santa hat and she pulls herself together and then she comes around and this was one of my favorite scenes and she has lobster rolls and um, Boston cream pie for Roger. And she's making like a new tradition for him for his Christmas. Yeah, no, and that was a really nice scene because that was those are the things he said he wanted, yeah. and she put on the little hat, and then he gives her like so cute, just this heart crushing gift. He yes. gives her a Christmas carol to kind of carry on the tradition that like they're gonna do it right. together. What she did with her two parents who are now gone forever, as far yeah. as she's and concerned. So, and like I said, it was sort of like whatever he may like in a parallel to Jamie, whatever he may lack in like abs, he yeah. makes up for in touching. Yes, touching gifts. it was it was such a great scene. So they kiss, and then she starts to read, and the musical score in the background is so good when it kind of pans away all you hear is her voice reading you hear the music and it's kind of sad and exciting and it's representing exactly the mood of the scene it's just it's perfect it's a perfect scene you see there are two silhouettes you hear her voice as she starts reading and it pans away so then we cut to claire in a cab arriving at the airport and she's talking about puddles um and you did not like this scene no, I, I didn't. I mean, this is where the entire episode takes a downturn for me. Um, basically, she gets in a cab and then, uh, the, you know, this is obviously not outside, but that's fine. Takes a cab and gets out and takes a step and then, ta-da! Where is she? Well, we cut from her stepping out of a cab in 1968 to out of a carriage in 1765. And I will say that I loved everything about this episode, but I did have mixed feelings about this because I was excited that we were in the past, so I was happy that we were that much closer to the reunion, but I was a little frustrated that we missed the journey and the excitement of the journey. And her peanut butter sandwich, which was a detail in... The book that was just incredible. Actually, all the details of her actual time travel, all of it was gone. So in the book, there's this incredible, like, I mean, it's very, very rare for me to like something in the book more than in the show. As you know, I'm a huge Mm -hmm. show fan. But in the book, she packs herself a peanut butter and jam sandwich. And when she arrives in Scotland, she's on the carriage and she eats 
a peanut butter and jam sandwich and as she's like swallowing the last bite she says to herself like I finished the last bite of home right and then it's just basically like a whole new world for her she's got like a piece of saran wrap that she throws it's kind of bad because she litters and as the carriage goes she watches her saran wrap bounce down bounce down a hill and it's just it's really her saying goodbye and I missed that a little bit I missed that we just stepped out of the cab we didn't see her going to the stones because the other thing that they talk about in the book is that it was a horrible horrible journey for her to go through the stones this this time and they skip that and it's important because she realizes that she's going to die if she ever tries to go back so you realize that there's no option for Claire to ever go back like she almost died getting right to 1765 to see Jamie and so they don't explain that's that all huge <laughs> it is opinion. it's important so it's it's for for those of you that don't know me which I can only assume is all of you um I am a huge sci-fi nerd. I love Mm -hmm. science fiction. The only part of this show that was really um, compelling to me when it began was that it was about time travel, which is always kind of interesting. What I don't understand is in an episode that was as long and boring as this one, how can you gloss over all the time travel? The time she, travel was important, yeah. Yeah, it's but it like... Was, it wasn't just glossed over, it was skipped. It was skipped. skipped. Like, it, it was, was... I couldn't... We I was, cut from one... We cut from yes. 1968 to 1765. It was a Now, that being said, I also love time travel, but for me, I was so excited that we were that much closer to the reunion yeah. that I let it go. What? I and did. I have the history. Like, I know... I did not have the history. I, I, I thought I was... I was actually interested in seeing, like... I didn't care. I couldn't care less about... All the kibitzing in the Boston house and blah, 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 blah. Like, we know she's getting back to Scotland. Show me the journey. I want to see her go back to Scotland and try and, you know, like, get to the stones and and try and go through the stones again and, you know, have the the topaz get sucked out of her necklace, obviously, which I thought was a little weird. It's like, here, mommy, here's a great touching gift. I know it's just going to get sucked out of the necklace when you go through the stones, but whatever, it's another Brianna But it was to help her with her journey. No, I understand. Yeah. BS. Um, So they they basically, and then, you know, she just, all of a sudden there was a carriage waiting for her outside of the stones, I guess. But it wasn't. That's the thing. It was hard for her to find that carriage. Right, but I'm talking, no, this is a show watcher talking. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, so I couldn't believe that the part of this that I was actually interested in. Yeah. They just decided not to show and instead showed me a million other things, including those damn pearls again, which I couldn't care less about. <laughs> it's like, why are you wasting our t- Like, they just... I, this show, this episode... I'm going to take a breath because I'm a little upset. This season has been, for me, all about showing us nothing I want to see and skipping everything I actually want to see. I can't believe it. It's almost like they read my mind and say, Joe, what can we do to make you like this show less perfect? Let's do it. That's not true though because you got Joe Abernathy scenes in this episode and you wanted Joe Abernathy scenes and did. you got it. I did call for Joe Abernathy and I got and you some got Joe it. Abernathy. So the show does not just read your mind and give you the opposite. A little too little, a little too late. That's yeah. all I'm going to say about Joe Abernathy. But anyway, just terrible. It was it unbelievably was- bad. That, the, that was disappointing that we didn't get beyond the actual, disappointing. Yeah, that it was worse, saw. almost worse than Jack Randall's bullshit death. So you acknowledge he's now. You acknowledge he's dead. I mean, if he's not, they're just yet another giant ball yeah, drop in storytelling. Sure. He's for sure dead. Anyway, go on. So she's in the past. For me, and I think most viewers, it's really exciting because you know how close she is to the print shop. Mm-hmm. She asks for directions so that to where the printer is. She finds the printer shop. She stops, she looks at his sign, she walks up the stairs, and you notice that she's still wearing Frank's ring at this point. Yeah. And you said, is that Frank's ring? And I said, yeah, yeah, she always, she wears both of them, always. 
And you actually called it sociopathic. Yeah, I feel like that's a weird sociopathic behavior. She, it's, it's the ring of a man that she has openly disliked for the past 20 years, yet still wears his ring back in time to go see her true love. That's just weird. She is weird. She's got that some part stuff is a little, Yeah, I can't really head. explain that. Maybe someone can explain it to us. Please who's do. Who's a cause... bigger fan of the book. Because I know in the books, she always wears both rings, no matter what. Even it's just she weird. goes back. It's weird. Yeah. So then, and this was probably the most exciting point. She opens the door. You hear the bell. And you even said, cut to black. But it didn't cut to black. You see her walk in. She said it cut to black. No, you see her walk in. And she hears his voice. Because for Claire, you know, you've got, she's wondering, like, is he going to be here? You know, what's it going to be like? And then she hears him say, is that you, Jordy? Jordy. Took you long enough. And it's his voice. And then she says, she goes up. Well, she doesn't. And she just. She just, like, weirdly stares at him from behind for a while. Well, because it's exciting to see him. Yeah. And she, I mean, imagine the journey. Mm-hmm. You have to. All you can do is imagine that's, it. That's all you got, yeah. <laughs> imagine the journey right. she just went through to get to him. She says, it isn't Jordy. And they show his body just go completely rigid. Like, Freezes. he knows as soon as he mm-hmm. hears her say, it isn't Jordy. Um, it's and she me. says, it's me, Claire. Claire. And Jamie turns so around. He's got, like, his brow. Like he's he looks got his confused. Heart, his, he looks, his, his he episode looks, one brow back. <laughs> he looks like he thinks he's going crazy. Yeah. And, and he faints like a bitch. Well, she, so he turns around and Claire is looking down at him, smiling, and she has tears in her eyes. And Katrina Balf, I mean, she just looks like she is, I've never seen her so happy. Like tears in her eyes, smiling, like her lip is shaking, and he falls over. And yes, he does. You just see Claire's shocked reaction. Like, she kind of gasps, and then they cut to black and have really fun music. So, for me, when I watched it, I had to, like, rewind and watch it again and rewind. And, like, I probably watched that final scene, like, five or six times because I thought it was brilliant. But you... I thought it was lame. When when Jamie fell over, you said, and, of course, the king of all men, like, strongest warrior fighter just fainted yeah he just fainted that's right couldn't didn't even have time to cry before he fainted <laughs> and he's just pretty typical pretty typical kingman behavior right there just gonna faint anyway whatever it was very surprising to him i bet so we got the reunion but just a tiny tiny glimpse of it right yeah enough okay so tell me because as a fan of the show i think it's hard for me to actually be um unbiased so when Jamie and Claire are reunited, when he turns around and sees her, to me it's just like an incredible, an incredible scene. But for you, who while you watch the show, you are a regular show viewer, I wouldn't call you a huge Outlander fan, I want to know if was there any amount of excitement for you when Jamie and Claire saw each other? No, there was no excitement when they saw each other. I mean, it's... It's exciting in the sense of I hated everything in in 1960-whatever, so it's exciting for me to get out of that time period. Right. Everything that happens in Scotland is infinitely more interesting than anything that has happened in America. Yeah. So that part's exciting. Like, the story progressing and moving out of that that ditch is, is exciting to me, but the yeah. act, there's no... I'm not sure that there's ever been any sort of emotional connection for me with Claire and Jamie, uh, so certainly there wasn't one here. Okay, favorite scene. 
Favorite scene was uh, when Candy Sandy tears Claire a new one. Okay. Love that scene. Yeah, it was very well done. Mm-hmm. My favorite scene was the last 20 seconds of the show. Of course. Um, I understand why it would be. I just didn't think it was good. Yeah. Least favorite scene. Last 20 seconds of the show. That was your, that was your least no, favorite scene? No. Well, my least favorite scene would have been probably the... 30 seconds before that where the, the whole just the where, transition between where you learned yeah. that you had just missed out on the time travel exactly where right. the, the what the hell moment where I realized that they just cut out anything that could have been interesting out of this episode right um, so my least favorite scene was when Brianna opened the door and said what because nobody was, nobody answers the door like that it was that. a little dramatic yeah. Yeah. a little soap opera who wrote that yeah that wasn't Tony Graffia, Tony Graffia who I love but um, mm. I didn't like that scene so Loin points. Loin points. You, how about you start? I would give this, out of 100, I would give this 100 loin points. That's really good. And I will tell you why. It's a lot. It's a lot. But it had, this episode has everything in it that I love about Outlander. It had the time travel. Mm-hmm. It has the amazing characters. I thought it had great momentum. It had... It had the excitement of like building up to her travel. It had everything. It had the love story. It had lots of Roger. It had Joe Abernathy. It had everything that I am ever looking right. for when I tune in to Outlander. That's fair. So it got a hundred out of a hundred. Makes a lot of sense. What would you give it? I would give it two. Two. Two points. It gets one point for Joe Abernathy and one point for Candy Sandy, and nothing else. This was a long... I think, but you also mentioned that you appreciated the, the photographs. That's true. It does get a third point. It gets three points. Yeah, those, uh, those photograph props, give, it gets a point. So, uh, yeah, this was a long, boring episode with uh, a couple glimmers of goodness that, uh, that, that pretty much skipped over anything interesting about the premise of this show. That gets you three points out of 100. Okay, well, I think that concludes this episode of Loinlander. Yes, it does. But feel free to tune in next week to see if I give the next episode four points. I think you will. It can't I get think any. You it, will. Seriously, it's going to go up from here. But this was just this was not my favorite. This was a wonderful episode. Well, this was one of the best episodes of all time. I find it interesting that what is the best episode ever to me is possibly your worst. Outlander episode and hopefully our listeners find it interesting as well yeah I don't know it's like uh, you know you say tomato I say tomato but (laughs) it is (laughs) what are you gonna do okay well thanks for tuning in yes thank you so much and we will talk again in two weeks yes you like potato and I like potato you like tomato I like tomato potato potato tomato tomato let's call the whole